Bookcase and Coffee presents Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. Hey everyone, welcome back to a quick shot of romance. I am Becky and we are back with an author spotlight. I am so excited to welcome author Bella Matthews to the podcast. Hello, Bella. Hi, Becky. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. Um, You are actually so buzzing about romance for the months of January, February, March. We do our new to you author challenge and you were a new to me author this year. And um, I read Rise of the King, which is a fantastic, like, get your feet wet into mafia. So I was excited to try that out. Thank you so much. I'm glad you liked it. I definitely would consider that a little mafia light, but I fell in love with Sam and uh, his snow. So that was one of my favorites. Well, and it takes place with a bakery and I am a fool for anything with food, a romance with food and bakers. I'm in. I'm in. I'm with you. Um, Definitely. <laughs> so I'm going to read your bio and then we're going to spend some time getting to know you before we talk a little bit about Shaken. Um, Bella Matthews is a Jersey girl at heart. She is married to her very own alpha male and raising three little ones. You can typically find her running from one sporting event to another. When she's home, she is usually hiding in her home office with the only other female in her house, her rescue dog, Tinkerbell, by her side. She likes to write swoon-worthy heroes, sassy, smart heroines with a healthy dose of laughter thrown in. Um Okay, and we'll wait till we get to shaking because I got to talk about dogs. Uh, <laughs> so, like I said, we are here today celebrating the release of Shaken. It is out today in Kindle Unlimited, or you can buy your copies on Amazon. Uh, but let's take a minute to get to know Bella Matthews before we, um, before I kind of, you know, fangirl a little bit over Shaken. <laughs> um, so, what is it that drew you to write romance? Um, COVID actually lockdown. I had been a huge race, voracious romance reader for years. I am probably the millionth author to say to you that 50 shades of gray started my, my spiral down the rabbit hole. Um, and from there, I just lost my mind because we had just gotten our very first iPad and I didn't even know what a Kindle was. So I started downloading books like unbelievably. And then I found out about Kindle Unlimited and I was like, oh my God, I can read a book a day. Um, And I did for years. And during that process, my middle son was diagnosed with autism. And at night, um, reading kind of was what saved me because I was able to get lost in somebody else's words and somebody else's world instead of stressing out about a new diagnosis or a new therapist or, you know, any of the news that you go through when you have a child that's diagnosed with something. So every night my husband would, you know, watch TV or he'd go and work out and he'd be like, do you want to come with me? And I'm like, heck no, I have a book. (laughs) And I would sit down and read. And I did that for years. And then I started, um, you know, arcing for authors and I started getting these advanced copies. And then I started, uh, Instagramming, bookstagramming. And from there, it kind of just eventually stories started kind of coming to me, but I was too scared to write them down. And then lockdown happened and I was still working, you know, a normal 40 hour week work week, but we, all of a sudden the company didn't have business. I was still working, but it was now like 10 hours a week. And I was home with the kids and we didn't have sports and we didn't have therapy for the first time for the middle one and all of this extra time on our hands. And then my middle one broke my computer. 
And I said to my husband, um, you know what? I want to get a new computer, but I want to get a used MacBook because everybody talks about how much they love MacBooks. And I hadn't touched my old computer in years because the middle one was using it left and right. And I got the computer and I got word and I literally sat down and wrote the first three chapters of my first book that day, the day that like I ordered it off Amazon used and it came in two days later and I wrote the first three chapters and went, oh my God, I think I'm going to give this a try. And I was too scared to tell anyone what I was doing. So I probably waited for at least three quarters of the book to be done. And then I had these three women um, that are good friends in like a group chat of uh, moms losing their mind during COVID lockdown. We all have multiple kids and we didn't know what we were doing and we would vent to each other all day. And I was like, guys, can you read something for me and give me some honest feedback and not tell anybody what you're reading? Because I was scared to death that it was awful. And they read it and they loved it. And even if they didn't love it, they didn't tell me that. They told me they loved it. They gave me <laughs> encouragement. And because of the, um, relationships I had had with some authors uh, from when I was on our teams and when I was blogging, I was lucky enough to have a couple of, you know, pretty good friends that I lucked out into. And one of them was Waverly Alexander. And I messaged her on Instagram and I was like, Waves, I wrote a book and I don't know what to do. And this incredibly gracious woman said to me, and I'd never even heard a voice DM at that point on Instagram. She's like, I'm going to voice memo you because I want to tell you all the things I did wrong so you don't do them. And then we'll talk about all the things you need to do. And I swear to you, for the rest of my career, I will be that person. Anyone can ask me anything because this woman gave so graciously and so honestly and so freely of her time for weeks. She would just think of something and voice memo me and be like, oh, I thought of this, do this. It wasn't even me going back to her because I didn't know enough to ask the right questions at that point. It was just her saying, you know what, try this, do this. He, here's a couple of different editors. And I think the editor she had used was booked for like a year. Yeah. But that editor, when she shot me down was like, oh, I have a couple of other editors. I could put your information up on this site and people could contact you. I was like, that would be amazing. Like it was just, I happened to be lucky enough to have formed those relationships that led to my first book that you know, we're, I, thanks to a TikTok viral a couple of weeks ago, I think it's in the top thousand again, and it's two and a half years old. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so great. No, you know what? People don't realize that romance can be this lifesaver, this, you know, mm. life vest in the moments of your chaos, in the moments of your crisis. And, um, I'm a lifelong romance reader. I've been reading since I was probably way younger than I should have been. <laughs> uh, reading all the old school bodice rippers and gothic yes. romances of the 80s and Flowers 90s. In Flowers in the Attic was my first one. My grandmother brought it home and I don't think that she knew what was in it or she oh. would never have given it to me. Yeah. I stole my mom's two Devereaux and I never looked back. I mean, I just oh. kept going. And, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but like you, my child, um, had some health issues and I, when we'd spend night after night in the hospital, we, I could read a book, I'd carry a paperback with me. And then I got my first, I got a nook in mm -hmm. 2010 because a bookstore made way more sense than some random website on the internet. <laughs> a thousand percent. I remember those days. My reasoning was so off. Um, but I do think that there you know, no matter how you feel about Fifty Shades of Grey, it did some really great things for romance. 
Oh, I couldn't agree more. I feel like it opened so many of us back up to reading um, in a way that we just, I don't think at that point in my life, I had friends that were really still reading romance. I had a few friends that were hardcore horror fans. And I um, I went through that phase in college. I loved Stephen King. And then I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I don't want to be scared anymore. Um, and I had one friend that was a mystery reader. I didn't even have friends that were romance readers before Fifty Shades of Grey. And I, I can remember like my best friend and I reading it. And legitimately, if that was, what was that? That probably was like 2010, right? When that came uh, out? 2012, 2013 is when. Okay, so we're looking 10 years ago. We were 35 years old and we were Googling things. Yeah. We were like, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> I think that one of the th great things that it did too, though, is it showed that there is room in the market for indie authors. Previous to that, it was kind of the fan fiction. You know, we mm -hmm. had had a little surgence of indie authors with Twilight because she started out as indie and then it went into 50 shades of gray really blew out the indie market and that's something that as a reader and now someone that works in publishing i am so grateful that it did kind of peel back the you know the curtains and say look you can write a book and you can put it out there and great things can happen for you yes yes and my favorite authors are indie authors i have read indie authors now for 13 years and I love them. Yeah. And I, I, I have so many books that I could fill a room with just my favorite paperbacks that have nothing to do with my own books. It's just their books. And as I get to meet some of these women now, I fangirl so badly that I'm mortified. <laughs> I swear Tony Aleo is going to think I'm a stalker. I saw her last year at a signing in Boston and like ran across the room and I was like, oh my gosh, you have my most favorite book sitting on your table. Like, can you please save this for me? I had a line of people at my own table. And when I bumped into her, we were both doing Indies Invade Philly and we were getting coffee in the morning and I was like, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> That's like, fantastic. I'm not stalking you, I swear, but I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> no, I get it. I um, recently have a professional relationship with uh, Sawyer Bennett because, and we've been working on some projects together. And I mean, she was my intro, she and Kelly Jameson were my intro into hockey romances and then into Tony Leo. And, but, you know, Sawyer and Kelly are now my friends who right. email me and say, Hey, do you have time to help me with this? Or can you work with me on this? And it's like, what, what, what? <laughs> I could understand that. I'm like, what? Uh Sawyer Bennett and Serena Bowen are two of my favorite hockey romances yeah. along with Tony Aleo. And I just literally prior to joining our call now have been on the phone with my PA for three hours plotting out my next book because it's a, it's a hockey romance. And like they're, they're what I've spent 10 years reading. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> so um, in a story, what is your favorite part to write? I mean, and it could be like specific kinds of scenes. It could be just like the banter, the prologue. Do you um, like to write the dark moment? Part, no. You know what my favorite part is? <laughs> I like to write, to write, my goodness, I can't speak, big family dynamics. And whether that's family you choose for yourself or real family, I love the big obnoxious family dynamics. Um, and that can be any part. That can be a... 
that can be a hard moment. That can be a happy moment. That can be, you know, in the series that I'm writing now, the Kingston siblings, there's a million of them and they love hard, but they make fun of each other even harder. And in these books, that is my most favorite thing to write. It's, I love when they're all just, you know, busting each other's chops horribly. It makes me smile the whole time. That's one of my questions later when we talk about Shaken is, is there a family tree or a family map somewhere? There is. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Yes, there is. And I just remembered that I wanted to add that to something. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. We actually update it with each book now. Um, and I have it printed out. They go in book boxes, but we've been looking into seeing if we can get them added to the actual ebooks as well, because my goodness, with this big family, it is, it's getting harder yeah. and harder to do. Well, sure. Um, so you write a lot of blend of family sports romance along with the small town, big city access. And I have to say, I can totally tell that you lived at some point on the East coast um, yes. because big city to small town access is a really East coast thing. There isn't the urban sprawl that you would see more in the West coast. And I live in the Midwest. I live in Ohio and small town to big city access, like Toledo is my closest city. It's 45 minutes on the highway. It's not just like, oh, we're out of the city. Now we're in our small neighborhood. Right. Yeah. So what inspired you to kind of use that small town, big city access? Because by doing that, you give a reader a really great blend of what it's like to live in a small town, but also have access to this really big city. Well, thank you so much. Um, that's actually how I grew up. I grew up in Southern New Jersey and where I live is right over uh, both the Walt Whitman, well, where I live, I'm much more Southern now, but I grew up about 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia, right over two different bridges. Um, it was faster to get to Philadelphia than it was to get to my doctor's office. Uh, and it just was, you know, we thought nothing of it. We were 17 years old, having just gotten our driver's license. And it was like, oh, let's go to Philly. We're bored. It's a Saturday. And it wasn't a big deal at all. And then I met my husband who um, lived in Philly at one point. And so he loved the area and it's just kind of, my parents had grown up there as kids. And it was one of those things. I just was a city that I always loved. But I love that I could go and do my thing and be exposed to all these different things in the city. And then my college roommate called my neighborhood, leave it to Beaverville. Like it, there should have been white picket fences. It was an older neighborhood that was probably built in, you know, the late fifties, early sixties. And it just, yeah. it really didn't look like leave it to Beaverville, but it was 20 minutes from the city and you were in the heart of Philadelphia. Yeah. We, um, that's how like Cleveland in and around Cleveland is like my husband lived far out from downtown but yeah kind of that post-world war ii you know mm -hmm. row housing that happened in the late uh you know after everybody came back and creates these small little communities but really you can yeah. get downtown in like 20 minutes <laughs> right that's exactly it like your neighbors know exactly what's happening and they know everybody that's coming and going out of your house but, and you're, you know, it's the green lawn, it's the picket fence, it's the whole thing. And you can very easily be in the city in the blink of an eye. And I always love that. So what, what is one thing you wish readers knew about your books? I think I do wish actually that readers knew more that I, I give a small town feel, even though I say I write Philly sports 
and Philly families. It's still, it's this tiny little town out, right outside of the city. So you're still getting the main street vibe and the little shops and everybody knowing everybody and everybody being in everybody's business. Um, I think some people don't know that because they just see, oh, it's, it's like a city and they don't realize that it is that small town too. You, I mean, I think you do a great job with creating the small town um, and, you know, kind of neighbors knowing neighbors and especially the way this family, um, the Kingston family is kind of woven into the fabric of this small town. You know, they've gone to school here. This is where they are. This is where the family has always lived. The other families are involved in their businesses. Um it really does create what you want when you go to pick up a small town. Thank and, you very much. And we have landmarks too, you know, like restaurants and bakeries that we talk about that kind of make appearances throughout the books. Oh yeah. I love doing that. I, love I like that. that it's world. When, you know, so I have sons and they don't understand. Well, I'm sure they have a clue just based off of my covers, what mommy writes, but they don't know what the books are truly about other than, you know, my one little athlete thinks it's amazing that I write sports. Um, I forget my point. Oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> so, um, I always say I write a world and I, to them, I compare it to Marvel. Not that I'm writing anything at all like Marvel. I don't mean that. I'm not trying to say that. But the way that, you know, each individual movie is its own movie, but it's within the big universe. That's the way I've always explained it to yeah. my kids. I like making the books all part of this one big town and part of the universe of Croydon Hills. So it is. And even far outreaching, you know, uh, Rise of the King, she had connections back onto the West Coast. But, you know, it came back into being this connection into the small town. And yeah, it is. It's world building. It's a universe of its own. Um, yeah. And it's well done. So, you know. Thank you very much. Everybody can I should give know. You a, can I give you a, a, a secret? Sure. When I originally introduced Amelia, the lead from Rise of the King, I had absolutely no idea what her backstory was going to be or where I was going to use her. No clue. It just kind of came to me for Rise of the King because I introduced her two books before that. No clue at all. She, she was, so, and in your bio, you say you write sassy, strong women. Boy, do you. Oh, thank <laughs> and you. she might give every single one of your heroes a run for the money. Like, thank I want her so on my team. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I love her. Um, especially the Kingston women have definitely proven their strength. Yeah. As we've gone along. She's done a really good job of it. Uh, Scarlet, the next book from Broken King has, I like strong women. I was raised by a strong woman and I really enjoy writing strong women. Who's the oldest sister in the Kingston family? Scarlet. Scarlet. Okay. Oh, so her book is next? Yes. Oh, that is yeah. good to know because I fell in love with her in Rise of the King because in the epilogue of that book, when the uh, when Amelia goes into labor sister is wearing like a really expensive suit like that's white yes <laughs> and ends up in the labor and delivery with her right I think she say something like let's just throw out those shoes now yeah she's like yeah I'm just throwing these away like she was phenomenal I'm like that's yeah I like that <laughs> thank you I, I enjoyed her 
there's just something, I don't know, something personally for me, something about a strong woman just hits differently. And, and I love it. Not that I, Hey, I like them all, but I really enjoy writing them strong. Well, you also in, in this series have kind of created a girl gang, which is what I love. Like I love when like an interconnected story, even standalones like this, where we get this girl gang and they accept Mm -hmm. the next new woman into their community and make space for her and love her where she's at. And it's a step away from the relationship. Like I'm not just friends with her because she married my brother or she married my teammate. I am Mm -hmm. friends with her because I love her. And she, you know, we have this connection that goes beyond her relationship and um, a romance series with a good girl gang is like top notch. Yeah, I agree completely. I really do. I think that one of the reasons I write the way I write is because I write what I like to read. Um, and that's one of the things I enjoy. I like women supporting women. I like, I I have a hard time when I need to, and you do sometimes, you've got to write sometimes when one woman is trying to take another woman down. I struggle with that because I like, I prefer the support. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, you know, but you do need it occasionally, but I like it the other way better. <laughs> I get that. So we are featuring the title Shaken, which is out today, wherever you are. It's out today in Kindle Unlimited, so you can also purchase it on Amazon. Um, this is book two in the Defiant Kings series. It absolutely can be read as a standalone. I read it as a standalone and um, it holds up. Perfectly fine. You will not be lost. You will not be confused. Even with all the other characters and siblings weaving themselves into this story, um, the main focus is on uh, Ren and I wrote his name. Sawyer. Sawyer. (laughs) I almost said Sam. I'm like, he's not Sam. (laughs) Ren and Sawyer. And so um, they are really the main focus and you get the most from them but with the sprinkling of these other characters and it was fun to catch up and have glimpses of some previous characters that I had read also. So totally stands alone. Uh, Tropes are second chance. They're kind of rivals to lovers, friends with benefits, sort of. (laughs) It's sort of. Friends is a little shaky in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Neighbors, close proximity. Um, So Kingston family and you did say you have a family tree. <laughs> I do have a family tree. Um, uh, they just updated it for me too. Um, I absolutely adore the person that updates my family trees because I need them. They're huge. And then honestly, it was like a bad math equation when I sat down to write. I always do a bonus epilogue that um, there's a link to it at the back of the book uh, when it's released. And to have to figure out all of the second generation's ages I'm not the best at math. And it was scary. <laughs> I was like, I had two different notebooks open and I was texting one of my alpha readers who's an amazing friend. And I was like, can you please make sure that my ages are right? Because I think these are right, but I'm not sure Baby now. math is hard. Baby <sighs> math is very hard. And I think that it's author, like, I want to say it's like Lainey Lynn Vale, maybe, who oh, I adore or Janie Crouch, maybe one of them puts in the front of their book that ages might not line up appropriately, but baby math is hard. So I just do what I want. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I think I'm going to have to do that one day because I have every intention of writing a whole second gen series eventually. 
Um, and I'm trying so hard to keep the ages right, but I might've messed up. I was actually saying that today. I think I might've made somebody talk a little bit more than they should have been able to talk at this point in this past book. The only thing I'll say as a romance reader don't lose anybody. There was recently a romance author who was talking, she's writing a next gen right now. And someone commented, Oh, are we going to get stories for these, these, and these characters, which are part of this family? And she goes, no, they're not. (laughs) And they were from like the original series. They were, they were offspring, um, cousins and stuff like that, that were mentioned. So I think most people can forgive ages and different mannerisms. Just don't lose anybody. Don't randomly just walk or leave someone pregnant for two years. Okay, that would be bad. I tend <laughs> to want to reuse a name that I don't remember that I used. Um, thank goodness one of my best friends in the world is one of my PAs and she names all my characters with me because she has a much better memory at that. And we have a chart. And yet I will still go, oh, I came up with the greatest name. And she's like, you used that three books ago. I'm like, darn it. I didn't mean to do that. So the blurb for this book, the very first line is Sawyer Kingston is an asshole. (laughs) Right? Is that not, it's the perfect first line though, because that's the first line of the book too. Sawyer Kingston is an asshole. That is what my heroine thinks. But he also is kind of secretly a pining hero. He is. And I love a good pine. I love a good pine. Me too. I like a man that falls first. Yeah. I really enjoy that. I really do. I, yeah, he was fantastic. And um, yeah, he, he is an asshole, but he's pining and he's trying really hard to do it in a way that he doesn't lose himself because he's really concerned about being hurt. And I think given kind of some of his own turmoil, it makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's easy to fall in love with pretty quickly, even though he is an asshole. (laughs) I'm glad that you think that. (laughs) Um, I will say Zeus like wins. Right, Zeus the I bulldog. Love Zeus. Mm-hmm. Love so, that. ironically enough, Zeus is Zeus is somebody that people thought I forgot, and I know that sounds very silly. In the second book I wrote, more than a game, two years ago at this point, there is a bulldog that ends up being taken in by one of the main characters, who they don't know at the time is pregnant, and the dog has puppies by the end of the book. I forget exactly how many puppies he had, but up till before this, every single puppy was accounted for, but this puppy. <laughs> so oh. this is the puppy that's never been accounted for. <laughs> so it's just a little Easter egg to my readers that have been there from the very beginning. Oh, I love Zeus that. Um, so the angst in this book is really the fact that they are rivals, that there's this, they're not really enemies because they're not out to get each other. They're just more irritated about each other. Yeah. Um, yes. they're in a constant state of irritation or at least she is she is Ren is for sure mm-hmm. um is it hard to write rivals to lovers it was for me it was the first time I'd ever done it and I did struggle a little bit because I wasn't good at making them not like each other <laughs> and I have this tendency my editor laughs at me because I want my people to be happy way too early and she's like you can't do that that's boring <laughs> So I have to like drag it out and I struggle with that. So making them kind of rivals to lovers, I, I did. I struggled with that a little bit. It leads to some really fantastic uh, banter between the two of them, though. That was so much fun to write. I don't know that I've ever enjoyed writing anything quite 
the way that I've enjoyed writing that banter. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I like funny banter in general, but their banter was totally different than anything I'd done previously. It was really great. It was really great banter. And I love great banter. And it just, this story just read so fast. Like, oh, thank you. Um, And I love, I mean, I know it takes you a long time to write, but as a yeah. reader, I love when I can start a book and I'm kind of just sucked into this world and spending time with these characters. And it just kind of picks me up and sweeps me along into the story. And it was easy to read. And it didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I had sat there for three hours. Um, that's such a compliment (laughs) I swear when somebody says to me oh this was like a a, a one sitting and I was done Um, that's the biggest compliment I could ever get yeah because I love that I love when I can do that so to know that I'm able to give someone else that it still blows my mind because I swear we're two and a half years in and it still blows my mind that anybody's reading my books so I hear (laughs) that I'm like oh my gosh that's amazing so funny um (laughs) Okay. So what is next for you? So Shaken is out now and all of your books are currently in Kindle Unlimited and can be found there. Um, But what's next? So we have a couple of different things. Um, We're waiting. I still don't have the final date on when Caged is coming to audio, but Caged will be coming to audio. Um, I've partnered with Podium Books. They're going to be releasing all of the Defiant Kings books in audio. And I've heard the narrators and they're amazing but I don't know the date for that. I've got a couple surprises that people should stay tuned for that are coming in March and in April. And then Iced is releasing May 4th. So Iced is the next book in the Defiant Kings. That's Jace's book. Um, And for a hot minute, I considered writing somebody else's first and I got yelled at. So Jace's book is happening. (laughs) I thought about squeezing somebody else in there and no, no, there was a revolt. So um, I actually just started the plotting today. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't, I kind of jump in feet first. I'm a bit of a panster versus a plotter. Yeah. I like to have my beats planned out, but I don't do a full plot. So I expect to write the first chapter tomorrow. Excellent. Um, And in our on the shelf show notes, we will link your newsletter and all your social media so everybody can keep track of when Cage is going to hit audio and also your April, uh, March and April surprises. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, (laughs) Shaken is out now and it's available in Kindle Unlimited. Bella, thank you so much for joining me for this quick shot of romance. Thank you so much, Becky. I absolutely had a blast. Um, Thank you so much for reading it and enjoying it. Anytime. Um, Until next time, everyone. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.